Welcome to the Disambiguation Podcast, where each week we try to remove some of the confusion around AI and business automation by talking to experts across a broad spectrum of business use cases and the supporting technology. I'm your host, Michael Fawcett. If you're new to the show, we release a new episode every Friday as a podcast on all the major podcast channels, on YouTube as a video, and we also post a transcript on the Arian Research blog in case you want to stop by and read it. In our show today, we look at AI governance, compliance, and regulations. I'm joined by Jacob Beswick, Director of AI Governance Solutions from Data.iQ. Jacob, welcome. Thank you very much. Uh, could you give us just a brief intro and then a little bit about yourself, your role at, uh, at Data.iQ? Sure. Um, so as you introduced me, uh, I'm the Director for AI Governance Solutions. Uh, what that means is that I lead a team who works closely with our customers on helping them to articulate what good AI governance looks like for them, uh, then ultimately helping them to push that practice into the product, uh, which I'm happy to talk a little bit more about in time. Yeah. Um, in terms of like my background, why I'm in this space, so I originally started in the UK government where I was in the Office for Artificial Intelligence and I was responsible for a few things, including AI governance and regulation at the UK level. That exposed me to the EU and the developments there, which is like the the thing I think a lot about today, um, and has kind of pushed me forward in this direction. Oh, that's great. I, it is um, it's a topic that comes up a lot in conversations, and certainly uh, ethical use, responsible use. Um, so so beyond just the regulation, but you know, actually, how do I ensure you know internally that I'm that I am compliant, that I do have governance in place. So I, let, why don't we start there? So how, how, did, you know, how does AI governance uh, make uh, it so that companies feel comfortable with ethical and responsible use of AI? It's uh, a good question. Um, I'm going to be sort of pseudo-academic initially, which is to say AI governance onto itself doesn't ensure those things, right? So AI governance can be uh, driven by organizational priorities that can speak to things like uh, driving value, operational efficiency, things that are completely detached from ethical considerations or responsible AI considerations. But when an organization makes a decision to focus on ethical AI, responsible AI, at the development and use stages, or even including procurement, uh, it's really about the organization articulating the values that are associated with ethicality or responsible AI, so things like reliability, robustness, uh, transparency, fairness, et cetera, et cetera. The things you see quite commonly in the very public spaces of the OECD, different kind of governments, uh, and figuring out the sequence of actions that help to prove or supports proof of uh, those principles being met. So it requires the commitment from leadership on the one hand to say, we're committing to this ethical orientation, and then down the chain, figuring out what's the course of action we need to execute to ensure that we're systematically doing this but importantly, when it comes to governance, documenting and pr providing auditable content that you're doing it. Hmm. I mean, it, so it, it seems like a big part of that then is that intentional, uh, you know, intentionality to, to actually approach it this way. I want to be ethical with the use. I want to, you know, yep. deal with bias if I can. I want to be responsible. Okay. I mean, that... That makes sense, and I and I think that some of that is is kind of like we used to talk about customer experience. You know, it's not technology first; it's actually a strategy. You have to sit down and figure out a strategy, and it seems like yep. that's what you're saying here too. So uh, that I would advocate that um, yep. because if you kind of go slapdash, uh, there are ramifications down the chain. I would argue. So if you're going slapdash, one team's doing it, another team's not. Somebody upwind catches. Oh, this is an important thing. I then want to spread it out. 
basically if you don't have a consistent coherent approach uh you stand the opportunity you, you open the opportunity to creating kind of like a patchwork uh mm. which could be fine in some instances but it might not in others mm. um so it does require concerted decision making concerted actions and that's really important because there's a change management aspect to this so people need to know what they have to do differently and that needs to be kind of instilled at a management level but from my perspective also at a tooling level mm. yeah that makes sense so so you can you can approach it both strategically but you can also have tools that help enable that uh in the platform that that, that mm. makes sense so I know regulations all over the place, and and it's a, even it's a complicated topic to even bring up. But I'm just curious, kind of from an, a high level, what do you think the challenges are in in regulating AI uh, technologies in general? Um, and I know certainly some things are different. The EU has approached it differently. The U.S. maybe hasn't approached it. It's it's complicated, I know. But I'm just curious, kind of what are the what do you think the challenges are for for that? Uh, it's a good question, and I, I think about it. I've thought about it for a long time. Um, the like the quite the if you have anybody kind of with my background sitting in front of you and you ask that question, the first thing that they're obliged to say is tech moves faster than regulation, and then they walk away and they and that's it. So I kind of thought, is it worth exploring what that means? Like, should we unpack that a little bit? Uh, so on the one hand, we understand tech evolves for various reasons. There's business reasons. There's kind of like, for lack of a better term, ego reasons. There's all kinds of reasons that are motivating the development of technologies. And then on the regulation side, there's so many layers of things that have to happen, right? So you have to have the political will to agree, oh, there's a problem here, political will to continue and a policy level as well to figure out what's the nature of that problem or that risk. Then you have to conduct analyses are these risks and potential harms aligned to existing regulatory coverage? And we're seeing this play out differently in the EU and the UK. Mm -hmm. um, and then it goes all the way down to figuring out what's the course of action we have to take. How do we actually operationalize it in the market through regulators or other kind of public entities? And it's really a long, <laughs> cumbersome process. So this idea of tech outpacing regulation it, it really is true. So if you ever hear that, it's not just a glib response from any a commentator. It's a it's a material thing. So that's the obligatory response. Uh, the The next one is really the one that I'm intrigued by and that I'm seeing kind of surface in, in particular, uh, the latest draft of the EAI Act is supply chains. So this idea of, okay, if you're a company A and you decide you want to start using AI, your approach might be, okay, I have data, data I'll clean it. I'll use it to kind of develop some models and use those models in particular use cases. And it's all really internal, right? And so regulation, as you would read it, would apply to you and you alone, right? Hmm. Now, imagine your company B, and you think, well, I really want to use AI. It's part of my leadership strategy, um, but I need to access it outside of my company. And by that, I mean, go to a third-party provider. That mm -hmm. third-party provider extends, as you know, from like the data set acquisition. So maybe you want to acquire data from the market uh, qualities or qualifications of that data set are iffy at best, so you're bringing that in. There are potential regulatory hurdles there. Are you responsible for the quality of that data and how you use it, or is the provider responsible in some way? I'm not even going to entertain that discussion beyond that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then, <there's, laughs> then there are issues. So, okay, you've got your data. You know you want to execute a use case. You've done your research. you figured out some model providers, and you want to use something from a third party. So you go out to the market. You find somebody either who has a model that's been developed and this needs to be refined on site, 
or you go to the likes of OpenAI and you say, I want to use via connection a, a third-party LLM. In those scenarios, if you expose, if you're exposed to risk, you have some catastrophic outcome in using those third-party models. Where does liability, where do the kind of regulatory burden sit with you, the user, or with the provider? Uh, these are things that I think are really challenging to deal with, and I think that policymakers right now are agreeing um, really challenging to deal with. Yeah. I have more, but I think we can, unless you want to move. <laughs> no, no, I mean, no, I think that's really interesting. And, and, and you know, the, the thing is, like, you're, you're one of the things you hit on, I think, is probably one of the biggest challenges for businesses in general. And that is when we say this is moving quickly, like that, that's a huge understatement. And, and tech has moved exponentially, you know, forward for years. And we know that, but if you think about the length of time from when we started the talking about, um, we didn't call it cloud, we called it application service providers when it first mm -hmm. started, right? But if you think about that, that was what, 97, 98, 99 timeframe. And to when companies were really adopting this in a, in a, uh, uh, a full, you know, way, and that, that was in the 2008, 2009 timeframe. So you're talking 10, 12 years or so, that you know you could get through a lot of those objections the security risk the fear of you know letting your data outside your firewall etc and now we're talking about something that we only started talking about in a broad sense nine ten months ago so think i mean from an acceleration standpoint that has to be in, in, an amazingly difficult thing from a regulatory standpoint but from a company standpoint so I, i'm gonna i'm gonna turn this inside for a second because i think that maybe this is a good place for us to spend a, a good bit of time and that is a compliance itself so in compliance can mean regulation but it could also mean hitting the strategic goals that you set for yourself mm -hmm. for responsible and ethical use so i'm curious how how can frameworks be put in place to address those risks and concerns associated with AI and also keep up to the, the changes that we know are happening on a weekly basis? Yep, tall order. Um, I'll, I'll start with how we actually define, when I go to in front of a customer or anybody from my team goes in front of a customer or an organization and we start talking about AI governance, we make sure the first thing we talk about is what exactly are we talking about? And then I think that'll lend itself to answering your question and not in a roundabout way, but perhaps in a slightly extended way. Um, when we say AI governance, we're referring to a framework that enforces organizational priorities uh, through standardized rules, requirements, and processes that affect or shape how AI is designed, developed, and deployed. And that first step is organizational priorities, right? So those things will shift organization by organization. When it comes to ethical priorities, these can be informed by things that already exist within a company. Mm -hmm. uh, we want to be uh, support equity. We want to support fair outcomes, whatever. These can exist AI or pre-exist AI. Um, but then when you look to the wider market and you get the sense of there's actually a lot of commonality in terms of what the right approach is. So like the right, the common principles for what good, ethical, responsible, trustworthy AI should look like. Um, and these principles are effectively, I think, not to historicize, but they've been developed uh, with the backdrop of what are the risks, right? Mm. So in a kind of adhering to these principles, you're kind of indirectly orienting your AI governance framework, you know, in a way that speaks to the risks that have been perceived, articulated, et cetera. Um, I think that partially answers your question. Did I miss anything? 
Well, I mean, I think I think that does at least start to say because one of the things that I kind of hear in there is that you're you're really trying to align with how you've approached your business in general, right? It's not this is not just a carve out. Like I yeah. have diversity challenges and ethical challenges, and and build that into the culture. Then we want that to extend across the use of AI and the way we govern ourselves around AI. Is that does that make sense? I, I think I got caught up so much in the beginning of that journey, I completely forgot about the end of the journey. So yes, so you know what? Business by business, they're not going to have the yeah. same sets of priorities, right? So you can have yeah. a business, business A who thinks, well, I'm using pretty mon- AI and pretty mundane back office applications. They're not exposing anybody to any real risk or harm. Sure. And then six months later, you're talking about adapt- adapting. I think you referred to adapting. Um, six months later, that same business thinks, you know what? I like how this is working. I want to see where else I can achieve any kind of savings, efficiencies, whatever. And let's assume that they then operationalize a use case in HR. We know that HR is pretty perceived as pretty high risk, right? Yeah. So we look at the EU AI Act. It's a high risk tier. It aligns to the the pretty kind of like thorough set of new obligations that are oriented at that high risk tier. Um, and then we also look at New York, where they say basically you can't use uh, New York City. You can't use H, uh, AI applications and HR functions. Yeah. So from that mundane use case where risks are kind of nil, and you maybe thought about it and you thought oh, this is pretty all cool. I don't need to really worry about it. To HR use case, what are the risks associated there? What are the obligations you have to applicants, to existing employees? How do you ensure that those are accommodated or respected in the use of that application? Uh, Looking to the principles I mentioned earlier, you might find some alignment. So you want to ensure that your usage of AI is fair, that it's not biased. Uh, You want to ensure that you can be transparent about your usage and explain outcomes, right? Uh, So I think you're right. It's not a carve-out. I think it's probably context-dependent, use-case-dependent, where you might start mm-hmm. thinking differently about when AI governance resonates. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I've heard, because I've, I've been to a couple of um, CRM, CX sort of uh, conferences recently, and, and of course, you know, everybody wants to talk about generative AI, um, but the but the risk, you know, employee risk, data, privacy, certainly customer data and privacy risk too, right? So that's a different approach. Um, and some of those systems are starting to build things in that can help uh, from a technology standpoint. So maybe that's an, an interesting sort of side uh, bar around this. Like, what do you think from a technology perspective uh, what should companies look for when they're looking for that underlying platform or or, uh, or approach when it comes to helping them manage that governance and compliance? So I, I almost feel like the fundamental question here is what does good AI governance look like? And then what things do you need to build good AI governance? Yep. So from my perspective, good AI governance starts outside of a platform, as, we, as we've talked about already. You need yep. to be able to articulate basically what are your, what are your goal? What's your goal state? What are you comfortable with? What do you think is the right approach for your use of AI? Fine. Let's say you've articulated it through principles or some high-level articulation. Mm-hmm. Um, the next step is to figure, how do I translate that into actions? Can I translate it into actions? And there's some decision-making that needs to happen here, right? So if you say that we don't want any AI we use to be biased, <laughs> well, or we want all AI, used to, or all AI we use to be fair, what's the threshold that helps you make a determination that you're meeting that principle that you've set? I'm not the one who can tell you. This is something that has to be decided internally, right? Uh, Or if you're in a regulated industry, maybe it's been determined for you and you can just articulate it uh, through the action, a sequence of actions in-house. Now, from my perspective, 
uh, there's technologies, uh, there's technological kind of relevance in two ways here. I mentioned actions. So like there's a course of actions in the development side of things. So this is basically making sure that you're able to, through your tooling, in-house tooling, assuming this is a scenario where you're building internally, um, do the right checks on the data sets that you're going to be using to train models. It's about having the right kind of metrics uh, and being able to examine and qualify models that you're training for a particular use case aligned to the things we were talking about. Hmm. And then our bread and butter, when we talk about AI governance, is being able to articulate in full the sequence of decision-making and codifying the right information about the process of developing a particular use case and model, such that you build this auditable content that proves that you've done everything in your power to meet your goals, right? And importantly, from my perspective, uh, and this is one of the reasons I joined Dataiku, it's this idea of governance should like seamlessly integrate into the space of developing and deploying AI. And that seamless integration might look different for some organizations, but from my perspective, the starting point is that codification of relevant information that speaks to the things you care about and also the ability to enforce accountability. So having people who are reviewing the process, mm. signing off on the process, uh, and that being fun functionally a gating to deployment so that your governance speaks to uh, any particular outcomes you, you're looking to achieve. So like, uh, how can I put that differently? Uh, your governance is effectively the catalyst for successfully deploying things that will meet your company's tolerances or thresholds or goals. Mm. So, so it's built in then to, to the, to the process of going live with whatever that activity use case might be. Yep. Uh, and you're doing, you're testing, you're ensuring that you've documented that as you are going through that process then. That was yeah. a much uh, cleaner way of saying it, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm supposed to do, right? Um, so I, so, so this is, I mean, I think this is really important for, for companies to understand. And I guess the, the other side of that then is, what if, what if you don't? I mean, what are the potential consequences for an inadequate process around governance and compliance? Well, if we accept the common theory that AI governance regulation is designed to mitigate risk, right? That's the key yep. like theme. Now, if we don't enforce AI governance at all and we operate on the same theory, we just check out the inverse, which is that if you're not doing anything, you're exposing yourself to risk. What that risk looks like will depend on the use case. So if you're doing something very public, we've seen this time and again in... <laughs> I mean, going. I can't even remember going back to when, but very public mess-ups, let's just call them mess-ups, whoopsies, which are beyond whoopsies, uh, where uh, companies basically have to put their tail between their legs and you know remove a lot of investment in particular products and services because of an outcome that could have been mitigated with a governance approach. Mm -hmm. um, we see in the public sector, I mean, we saw at the UK when they were using some kind of algorithm to make determinations on uh, on students' scores uh test scores right mm. we've seen it elsewhere in europe um so effectively if you're not deploying air governance it's like an insurance policy you're exposing yourself to risks and then you ha you are whether consciously or not accepting the fact that you might uh have yourself a whoopsie yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that that's that it, that makes a lot of sense because i mean and you know in the u.s we've had some of those sorts of like oh wow you're really you're doing that like with algorithms, particularly around things like sentencing algorithms or, yep. you know, places where there is really a, a, a clear risk of bias. Um, and you know that the data set is very difficult to get a clean data set that would actually support that sort of a, an algorithm. 
function, right? I mean, the, the case, the scenario you're referring to, I think they used a model that wasn't even designed for that purpose. They just repurposed <laughs> it. Plus the data. Yeah. No, it was a mess. Yeah. That was, that was, um, that was gross. Neg I, mean, I won't say that. That was, um, that was careless. <laughs> careless. That's a guy. Careless is yeah. a good word. Yeah. So, so, I mean, that kind of leads me into another part of this and, and, you know, we talked a little bit about, it's hard to regulate, but I, I'm curious, you, you, you deal with this all the time and you talk to a lot of companies. I mean, what do, what do we want government, you know, what, what should government, what role government play in this? Like, is this something that we really do need um, regulation around or is there some other approach that would be better? I don't know. I have a, a friend who I've worked with in government and who we've maintained contact to this day and he and I feel radically different about this, right? So he is like free market. Everybody should just do what they need to do. My pers my perspective is not that. My perspective is governments, in theory, purpose is to set out kind of like approaches to various things that ensure that the public is safe. Uh, and part of that ensuring that the public is safe means exercising regulation or ex at least exercising expectations for what good looks like. Mm -hmm. um, now, if I look at the global market, or the global, whatever, different countries. Um, I can think of like two extremes. On the one hand, you have Singapore, who's come out with uh, a risk management framework in 2019, and more recently, AI Verify, which is a uh, non-statutory or not legally required set of um, practices that are designed to support particular principles that they've articulated mm -hmm. and reflect the reflections of what came out of the OECD. And then you have the EU, which is like, intense like it's quite interventionist it's really thorough it's really detailed it will likely have a heavy burden on certain use cases or ai systems mm. um government's role looks very different in those two scenarios so government but the commonality is that both are saying this is what good should look like and these are the things you should care about mm. uh who am i to say whether uh, this version, the EU version is the right way or the Singapore version is the right way. Right. But what I do know is that the valuable thing is governments can come forward and say, you know, ostent or, you know, theoretically speaking on behalf of the public, these are the things that are the good things. <laughs> yeah. Right. Aspire to that. Yeah. I mean, that, that is a very basic <clears throat> level uh, really resonates. And I think, you know, if you're an executive in a business, part of the problem is knowing what good looks like. Like, I, I'm not sure. And I, and, and some of the things inside of using generative AI are, are a bit opaque. So that is risk and you need to be able to understand that. And if you don't yeah. know what good looks like, then how do you do? Yeah. That, I mean, that to me, that makes a lot of sense. So this idea of what good looks like, we can actually unpack that, right? So I'm referring to this very high level notion of kind of like a North star, mm -hmm. which is the, you know, follow the North star and then figure out the rest. But the rest is the complicated bit. <laughs> the rest is like the actions I mentioned earlier. What do you actually do? Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and this is the space that I find really interesting, and it's the one that we're kind of getting embroiled in when we talk to customers or organizations who are looking to implement AI governance. Right now, there's no right answer, and we're kind of being prescriptive in that we're proposing like a workflow-based approach to governance that's integrated into um, the development and use of AI, right? It's not necessarily the case that anybody, everybody will follow that approach. They might take a really kind of like light touch approach. Uh, mm -hmm. They might rely on things like spreadsheets. You know, It'll look different for different places for different reasons. Uh, but that that issue of how do you how do you make it happen 
it's quite it's an interesting time to be in this space because that it, it's kind of you know it's going to make a reference to like manifest destiny but it's this period of like exploration and figuring out the right path yeah and and, and it, it also i just i wonder it strikes me as i listen to that um the different approaches of course are going to make it difficult for global com companies because you have to comply and and i mean honestly privacy's already kind of been in that boat for several years and i I've worked around and had to help, you know, figure out privacy policies of companies like G2, where I used to to be um, an executive. And, and so that's a complicated one. And I'm, I'm just curious then, are there drawbacks to the way this is being implemented? Or, you know, like, like we say, Singapore's is more North Star, here's what good looks like, and use more regulatory compliance, you know, for forcing behavior essentially yep. is there i mean is are there drawbacks to to either approach really oh goodness this is uh i mean yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh good okay <laughs> uh look i'm just gonna this is me exercising like policy side of brain and we're not this is not this is experimental conversation rather than dogmatic yeah. or confident sure. even uh, so if I'm looking at Singapore and I'm thinking, here's guidance that's been provided by the government on what good looks like, but it's not obligatory. And let's just mm -hmm. accept that that's this, the state of play. There's no obligations. There's no punitive measures taken if you're not doing this. Right. Um, the drawback is that by providing that approach, um, organizations might think it's, you know, indicative rather than use like actually functionally useful right um and then the, what we talked about earlier this kind of risk exposure this idea of are you doing the right things to ensure that your your insurance policy of ai governance is in place uh you know it might not materialize in a way that's beneficial to companies or the public uh so you know this singapore is an interesting context because basically i think if the government even makes a recommendation companies will say ah yes okay we hear you yeah um but you know i'll leave it at that in the context of the EU, look, we'll, I'll talk to the, the state of play today, which is that we are watching trilogues happen. We are waiting for technical and political decisions to be made around what the the contact, content of the action look like. Uh, but we all know something's coming, right? Yeah. Uh, and so I think a lot of organizations are spurred on by the experience with GDPR to think more proactively about onboarding some of the things that they're reading in the text today they're wanting to get ready um so getting ready at this stage is kind of complicated right because it's all it, nothing's real yet um but we have strong indications of the direction of travel and so it's requiring for those companies who are being very front-footed investments without confidence that they're going to be the right ones or that they'll have to fine-tune etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm. so there's a drawback there in terms of a general drawback of a highly interventionist approach, um, some would say that being so kind of rigid means that uh, it's not allowing innovation. It's not allowing things to like, you know, again, these are the things that somebody in my seat would have to say by obligation, um, which, you know, may or may not be true. Mm. Um, it's too soon to say. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's an interesting balance, and that I, you know, we, we this is sort of a tech fallback, right? Oh, that stifles innovation. We can't have that. Um, but but there's also that dark side risk. So I I feel like we've got, and particularly in something that is growing so quickly, and is you know, I I, I think I saw, I think it was a McKinsey study that said nearly 100 percent of uh, companies are going to do 
something with AI over the next 12 months. I mean, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> like, I mean, and not in a bad way. It's just like, whoa. I mean, that's it. So, so, I mean, this, this is, there is real risk and it's, yeah. it's a balance. And I, so, so that, how do, how do companies then think about this? How can you ensure to some confidence level, uh, transparency and accountability in the AI systems that you're testing and deploying um, now? I mean, how, what, how, what should you do? Um, so this is the, look, some of these are going to be like no duh answers, right? So w the first one is um, you need to know what your assets are. And so when we talk about this, when in the context of AI governance, it means having a competent and well-developed registry. So what are the things that exist across your whole kind of like ecosystem, hmm. uh, not only in the development stage, but also in deployment, being able to kind of wrangle that is not straightforward for some companies or some organizations. It takes a lot of work because things are hidden away. They're on somebody's laptop. They're being productionized somewhere else, blah, blah, blah. So it takes a bit of um, internal, I'm not going to, I'm using this word illustratively, in, internal audit kind of to figure out what are my assets. Uh, then it's a question of basically getting a sense of applying, uh, aligning those assets to the expectations that you've articulated for what good looks like in your company, what, uh, um, what you basically want to make sure of is happening, and then prove that it's happening through rigorous documentation, mm -hmm. uh, having proof points that everything's aligned to internal policy, which is, again, informed perhaps by external policy. Mm -hmm. um, and then having abilities to uh, articulate internally and externally uh, when AI is being used. So this is another thing that we often see, especially in the context of generative AI right now. How do you make sure that people know it's re what's produced by AI, what's not? Um, but I think that extends beyond generative AI. And this is a transparency outcome, right? Or and a transparency goal. Uh, if you're accessing, I don't know, finance through whatever, Amazon, and Amazon's used an algorithm to make a determination about uh, your creditworthiness mm. you should probably know because again gives you the opportunity to uh, orient your challenge if you don't like the outcome of it sure. um, in terms of accountability that idea of assets you need to know owners uh, you need to know what's being deployed who signed off on it assuming somebody has that idea of accountability is really about um, allocating responsibility and mm. knowing basically where in your chain of the organization you can insert yourself if you have an issue uh, or something else um, these things can be chaotic to organize. And so like this is where tooling can be a useful thing. Yeah. Uh, tooling on the, from the registry perspective is very useful. Tooling from the documentation about the development and use of different AI products is useful. So being able to qualify their kind of like risk levels, being able to explain where they're being used, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then of course, for the purpose of like accountability, having documented information about mm. who did what when, right? Yeah. Because if you look at, this is a slight detour, but if you look at something that came out of the UK a year or two ago called AI assurance, uh, and the AI assurance theory was that uh, you can grow trust in AI use and AI in general uh, through AI assurance. Uh, and therefore, in do so doing, you will have wider impacts on the economy because more people will mm -hmm. be, be predisposed to using it, et cetera, et cetera. But AI assurance was really about uh, outsourcing things like audit uh, elements of governance that uh, could be executed by third parties. Now, if you can imagine a world where the scenario of an organization who cares about transparency and accountability later down the line, but has already deployed many things, then has to go back and hire a third party auditor to help 
basically do what I've described. Yeah. That's a big price tag. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and it seems like it's a bit fraught with risk there in, in a lot of ways because of the fact that you you haven't established standards up front. So you're yeah. going to try to backfit them, which seems like even more difficult in, in, from my perspective anyway. I would 100% agree with you. The, the one thing that I heard in there that I think is interesting, and I haven't really thought about it this way. I mean, I guess it's obvious in some ways, but is that transparency really varies greatly by the use case who you're transparent to what you're yeah. transparent with uh is very dependent on what you're trying to what you're trying to do what the outcomes are uh I, yes i agree and look um i'm not going to claim like intellectual ownership over this this is something that's in the heading of uh implied in the heading of the uh, one of the obligations set on the ui act it's transparency and information to users information provision mm -hmm. to users and the idea of transparency on the one hand is just say, okay, you're using AI here. But then it comes down to the world of transparency and explainability, right? Mm -hmm. So it's this idea of, yeah, you're using AI here. Now, what else do you need to know? What else can we be transparent about? It might be line level exp explanations for why a decision has been made in a particular way. And that won't resonate in every circumstance, but it will in some. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that. Uh... Thanks. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, I think, uh, and some really actionable um, things that we've talked about today. That, that's really all the time we have. So, Jacob, I really want to thank you for uh, for joining me today. Uh, I know the audience will really appreciate some of the, um, you know, interesting discussion and advice that they can take out of this. So it's, I think it's a really actionable uh, and important topic that, that uh, companies really need to be thinking about. And like you said, they need to think about it first, not later, because the later is much more costly and risky. Um, before I let you go, though, I, my hard question of the day, I like to ask every guest, um, can you recommend somebody, a thought leader, an author, an, another a mentor maybe who's influenced your career, you think that the audience would find um, you know, interesting to, to investigate and, and learn from? Um, that is a really tough one for me to answer. Uh, and I think that my get out of jail free answer is in all the jobs that I've had, what's been fascinating is that the things that I've worked on, especially in this space are really pretty democratic, right? So it's groups of people coming together to hash things out rather than one individual here or there. So if you can withstand the laborious reads of things like, I don't know, extensive documents that reflect legislative developments or whatever, uh, I would highly recommend looking into things like, if you haven't read the EU AI Act draft, you got to mm -hmm. do it. You got to understand basically what's being laid out there. And know in the background that you literally had to start with groups of like, uh, they're called high-level experts, coming together and like hammering out the details of what matters, right? Mm -hmm. So that to me is pretty inspiring. Uh, similarly, if you're looking at, if you're preoccupied with things like procurement, if you're preoccupied with things like uh, what are what do principles, what could principles look like at a risk management level, go to the NIST, NIST National Institute for Standards and Technologies AI Risk Management Framework. Again, it's a long read, but it's useful because it helps to kind of open your mind to ways of thinking about um, about challenging topics that we've covered today. Hmm. Uh, well, and, and could certainly inform your strategy as you're trying to think through that too. So it sounds like that would be really important to help with a basic framework that helps you understand kind of where things are going there. So, 
Yeah, that's good. Thanks. And I, I don't think that's a cop out at all, by the way. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's, a, I think that's a very good way to point people. Um, I mean, it's, it's been a long time and I certainly own my podcast. I've never recommended you go read regulations, but it might be, it might happen more and more depending on well, how I, the, the world goes. Yeah, that's absolutely <laughs> the truth. <laughs> well, anyway, th- thanks everyone for joining today. Uh, remember to hit that subscribe button uh, for more on AI. If you want to check out some research, we did a survey uh, in August and published a, a research report on the Arian research site. Uh, you should check that out. Uh, it's a free download. And then join us next week. We'll have another interesting discussion around uh, AI and, and, and business use of, of AI and automation. Uh, I'm Michael Fawcett, and this has been the Disambiguation Podcast. Mm-hmm.